Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Matthew 5, 13 through 20. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Matthew in your Bible. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but it is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Sam. That's the word of the Lord for us today. Um, so I told you last week that uh, we were going to do some things in Jeremiah during Lent, and I told you that I reserved the right to change my mind, and I did. So uh, didn't change this week, but we're we're going to continue with Matthew for just a little bit through the season of Lent. And um, part of the reason I've made that decision is because I feel like uh, the Sermon on the Mount here is is one whole. So from chapter five on back to the beginning, I think Matthew has some specific intentions about the story he's telling and how it all fits together. Uh, and it's, it's logical, at least to my, um, my wandering brain, I feel like it's logical. You, you could tell me at the end of uh, all of this if it is at, at Easter time. Um, we started out, we, we looked at Jesus' birth, and then we looked at his baptism, and we said that Jesus' baptism was Jesus declaring in, in a no uncertain terms the fact that he's going to be faithful to what God has decided his fate is going to be. This, you know, the, the human part of Jesus is kind of struggling with that. But he commits himself in all of his godness and his humanness to uh, a path of love and self-sacrifice and giving for others. One that I'm, I'm sure he knows will at least involve some kind of, of suffering and, and possibly death. You know, we know the end of the story. We know that that's where that leads. Uh, and, and we didn't look at the, the wilderness testing, but he goes into the wilderness and gets tested for, uh, well, not for 40 days. He fasts for 40 days, and then uh, the devil tempts him. And all of those temptations are uh, temptations to use the power that Jesus has as, as God to benefit himself. Um, and once again, Jesus reiterates, by, by not giving in to any of those temptations, that uh, I'm going to be the Messiah that God wants me to be, to be one who's legal, giving and love and self-sacrifice. Um, before all of that, though, we had this passage that was a quote from Isaiah about the, the dawning of a great light, and um, 
all of the, the light that well, obviously is Jesus, but it, it comes into the world to, to display our sinfulness and our brokenness, but also the beauty and the goodness that is coming into the world. Uh, part of what I think that does, along with everything that, that uh, happens to Jesus before we get to this point, um, is going to display for us what it truly means to be the people of God. Uh, we're, it, Jesus is uh, interested only in, well, not only, uh, in helping us to become the people that God hopes that we can become. Both as a, as a fellowship, as a community of faith, and as individuals. And uh, so we started the Sermon on the Mount, and right before that, it's not technically included to that, but Jesus calls his first disciples, and he says, you know, follow me, I will make you fishers of people. And, uh, and they, they do, they follow. So that sets the stage for everything that follows, in the Beatitudes anyway, that Jesus is first talking to us who have answered the call to follow. Um, his light has come into the world to illuminate what it means for us to be um, his followers. So first, Jesus calls. Um, next, he blesses and he affirms. Before there is any, any call to action, like to do specific things, before there is any commandments about what it does look like to be followers of, of, of God, Jesus comes in these Beatitudes and says, I am with you and for you always in your brokenheartedness, in your poverty in spirit, in spirit and in and physical, in your, uh, in your uh, unrighteousness, in your hungering and thirsting for, for, for righteousness, um, that, that God, even be, while we are not what we should be, God cl- uh, promises to stand with us and for us. I, I think this is I think this is important for us uh, to grasp, and, and I, I guess I've been harping on this for a while. Like, uh, God isn't expecting us to conform before we answer the call, or even right away. That God is calling us to faithfulness, and God knows that faithfulness is a process and a journey where all of the things that are broken inside of us are, are shown, and, and the sinfulness is is rooted out and we begin to, to look more and more like more and more like, like Christ. And as we get through the, um, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, some of those things are going to be extremely difficult to, to hear. And we're going to be tempted to say, well, I don't think it works that way. Or this is only for the super spiritual um, and, or there's just no way that I can, can live up to that. Um, and I, 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 we'll, we'll struggle with that together. I think Jesus is calling us to a certain way of life. And we will never fulfill it fully. Um, but we're called to try in the power of the Spirit. Okay, next Jesus explains exactly who we are because of our being called and blessed. That's today's passage. And then the rest of the time in Matthew here for this first little bit, uh, God will uh, command, uh, we will be commanded how to continue to be who we have been called to be and blessed to be. Um, so that's that's kind of where this is going. I think it makes sense. There's a tra- tra- trajectory to it, um, and it's slow. It's a slow process for us. Uh, I think anybody who's a Christian for any length of time understands that that things don't just snap into place. 
uh, the, the, the understanding about what the Bible is or what God's calling us to is, is something that's slow. Anyway, so uh, as I've done the last couple of weeks, uh, I've offered up my own little translation here. It's kind of a paraphrase of one of the commentators that I, I like to read and uh, on this passage anyway and my own little work. Uh, so we'll see. You all, you are the only salt of the earth. But if salt loses its, it, salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled under feet. By the way, we are we have ordered the things that we need to fix our projection issues. That should happen by the end of February. So just soon I'll be able to look back there again and read. Uh, a couple of things I want us to notice about this, though. Um, the you all, all of the yous in this passage. And I'm pretty sure in the rest of the Sermon Mount are plural. More than one. Jesus is not just talking to us as individuals. It's to all of us. It's to all of those who have been called and blessed and now are being equipped to become what it is that God has wanted us to be. Um, so you might say y'all or you all. Or um, if you're in Pittsburgh, yins or Western Pennsylvania. Or if you're in, like, the New York area, use guys. I, I think I, I grew up saying that, and then I went to Oklahoma, and then it was y'all, and I don't... Anyway, you all, you are the only salt of the earth. And um, the second thing that I want us to, to focus on is the R. Um, R is present tense, right? It is what you currently are. It's not what you should be, or what you ought to be, or what you could be, or what you will be. It is who you are now, as those who have followed Jesus have been called and blessed, and now are being equipped. Uh, You are the salt. We'll get into what that exactly means here in a bit. Uh, The second, third thing is you are the salt. Now, it doesn't show up here. Um, well, maybe it does. Uh, only salt. So in the regular passage, it says, you are the salt of the earth. Um, the the in the original language is emphatic. It has all the emphasis. And so whenever, um, whenever that is emphasized in that way, it means the only one. So like the Ohio State University, like they always emphasize that, right? Uh, they are the only Ohio State University. You, we all, we all are the only salt of the earth. Um, God is calling us to be different. Not separate, but different. Characterized by a different set of values. A different way of being. A more fuller sense of faithfulness. You all, you are the only salt of the earth. Um, But if the salt has lost its taste, by the way, uh, this is, I I get this question all the time, and someone asked it actually at The Rock last week because we were looking at a similar passage. How does salt lose its saltiness? Because, I mean, like, that's physically what it is. And in Jesus' day, they had lots of stuff that looked like salt. There was stuff mixed in with the salt. Um, And it might have had a slight salty taste, but if you left it out, the sun would get it or the water would get to it and those little bits would uh, would go away and you'd be left with a 
pile of white stuff that wasn't salty. And so the only thing good for it was to, to throw it away because it was good for nothing. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how saltiness, salty, salt can lose its saltiness. Um, I think, though, when we emphasize the, the you are and you are the only one, there's a tendency maybe to be a little bit arrogant. Uh, and I've talked about this in, in my own kind of Christian life. Like, uh, and when Lori and I were dating, uh, she was a Methodist. And, uh, I, and I was working through all of my schooling, and she would constantly tell me, Nazarenes don't have a corner on the truth. Like, we're not the only ones that have figured out how to be Christian. And uh, she would tell me this often as I was, you know, I'm a verbal processor. Anyway, uh, and she's right. Like, we, we are the only salt, but we belong to a, a larger lump of salt, the Church of Nazarene, which is, in turn belongs to an even larger lump of salt. This is the universal church of all Christians all over the world. Uh, but even still, I, I don't think that arrogance is a proper, because the church throughout history has been arrogant. Uh, if you study medieval history, um, we thought it was our job to Christianize and civilize the entire world, and Christians did uh, many atrocities in the name of Jesus because, well, because of arrogance. Uh, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Uh, all that doesn't fit with kind of what it means to be a, a follower of God, the, the love and the self-sacrifice and the giving nature. Okay, so what does it mean to be the salt of the earth? Well, I think um, salt has two functions. One, it's to make, uh, to make things salty, to make things taste good, right? Uh, to bring out the flavor of the dish you are eating. Uh, French fries, they're just lumps of potato that have been mashed up maybe and boiled, or not boiled, fried, because that's the only way to do it. Uh, they're, not re- they're not good. French fries are not good without the salt. Tortilla chips are not good without the salt. Bacon is not good without the salt. Uh, anything else that you, you would like, your pulled pork sandwich. I love pulled pork. Uh, even, even just regular things. My, my dad, and I always thought this was super weird, We'd be sitting in the backyard of my grandma's house, and we'd have watermelon, and he'd, you know, take a big chunk, and he'd sit there, and he'd always hit it with a fork and a knife. Anybody do that? No? He would, he would slice it up into cubes, and, uh, and, and then he would put salt on it. And I was like, you're weird, Dad. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, but, like, even things that are sweet, when you put a little bit of salt on them, it draws out the flavor that's naturally there. It makes the experience uh, richer and fuller and deeper. This, I think, is part of our function as the salt of the earth, that we flavor what is already here. That our lives, our living daily in life, can bring out the richness and the fullness, uh, the full taste of what it what it means to be human, what it means to live. Our job is to flavor the world. Uh, the other job of salt, historically, has been to preserve. Uh, you pack a piece of meat or sardines in salt, and it'll keep, you know, dry it out, and it'll keep it fresh for I don't know how long. Um, and I, I think that's our other function 
Like we're to preserve the wheel. Now, now unpacking what that might mean, I, I don't know if I have a full grasp on exactly what it means for us to preserve the world. But I think it, I think it means uh, that part of what we are called to is to proclaim the goodness of God and what God wants to do in the lives of all of the people we are with. Uh, that, that it means that we call in, in non-arrogant ways, we call the world towards an ever greater faithfulness, towards the relationship with God that we were always meant to have. And in so doing, we, we help God preserve the world uh, to keep maybe parts of it that could get broken from getting broken. Uh, that we might we might be able to help someone not enter the depths of despair uh, of their own poor choices or the choices of other people. Or that we might come along and we might, well, help those heal who have already experienced that brokenness. Uh, we are, we are, we are the only salt of the world. We're called to flavor and preserve the world around us. I guess we're called maybe to uh, keep people from crashing on the highway as well. Could we use salt for that or slipping on the sidewalk? Not funny? Okay. All right. The very next one is, uh, is almost exactly like you all. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, all of you together, you light, let your light shine before others so that you may see the, your kind of good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. Again, the you all is plural. It's talking to all of us. The are is also the same as with the salt. You are the light of the world. Now, Jesus is the real, true light of the world. We're maybe just kind of reflecting that. You are the only light. You are the only folks who are reflecting the goodness and grace and mercy and love of God to the world around you. And, you know, the light's purpose is to, to shed light. And so you don't put it under uh, a thing so that the light doesn't get out. You just stand it and put it somewhere uh, high enough that the light will cast all over everything are the light of the world. Uh, when I think about these, these two ingredients, salt and light, uh, it, it struck me that these, these things do not exist for themselves. Salt does not exist for itself. It exists to do the job that salt does, flavoring, preserving. Light doesn't exist for itself. It exists so that people might see what they're doing it illuminates uh, a path before us and where we are to go and what we're to do. It exists for the sake of the people who are basked in its glow. You are the light. You are the salt. We exist as a community of faith, as Christians, not just for ourselves, because Christianity is about you, too. It is about your growth and your transformation and your salvation. But it is always an act of response to that, that we go out and be the salt and the light. 
in the world around us. Uh, moving forward. And, and here's, here's what, well, I'll read it and then we'll comment. Don't ever think that I have come to eliminate or throw away the Old Testament. So in regular, it's law or prophets. I've come not to destroy, but to, to make it stand tall, fulfilling it, filling it up completely. Uh, and we'll, we'll stop there for, for the moment. Um, to fill it up. Now, this is, uh, this is some continuity. Like, Matthew and Jesus are both concerned with saying, this isn't something new that God is, is doing. And he's setting up everything that he's going to say in the next section. Like, this isn't something new. I'm not taking away all of your traditions or all of the commandments that God gave you. I am going to fill them up full. Um, it's like a balloon, right? And balloons have been in the news. Now, you look at that, and you just see, you just see a bunch of fabric or whatever it is. And you have no idea what it is because it's not f- fulfilled. It's not full up with thing that's supposed to be filled up with. But if you were to inflate it, you would see that it's a Chinese spy balloon. Spy balloon. That's, it blows my mind. Like, that's not a phrase. Spy novel, spy movie, spy balloon. It's just one of these doesn't belong. Um, But you don't, you don't know what it is until it, until it is filled full up. Uh, Jesus is saying very, very clearly, I am doing is going to, well, it's going to show you exactly what God intended for the law in the first place. Because y'all have got it wrong. <laughs> He's saying that to, to Israel. And I think sometimes he says that to us, right? Uh, I think sometimes when, when, when maybe we look at our culture and our time and our behavior in the time and what God is calling us to, and, and maybe some people see us losing, uh, losing our distinctiveness as Christians. I've got to be different. I wonder maybe if sometimes what we're experiencing is that God is fulfilling the law in our midst. That God is, is helping us to understand with greater clarity what it is that God has called God's people to do. Uh, we're a half-filled balloon, maybe, when it comes to understanding who God is and what God is calling us to do. For amen, I want to tell you something very important. Until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one dot or of an I or a cross to a T will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Um, and he, he goes on and uh, says at the end that unless in, in your righteousness gets everything absolutely right and perfect, won't matter. I don't think Jesus is saying at this particular point, you know, give up. But, but I think that Jesus is saying, as, like I said at the beginning, that we are on, we are on a journey, on a, on a path. And Jesus, who is the, the big light of the world, is shining on that path, filling it up full, helping us to know which way to go so that we might be everything that God has called us to be. And I think it takes continual discernment, continual conversation uh, about Scripture, about the things around our world um, to help us understand what that looks like. 
I have a list of things that I think um, might help us understand how we might live our lives as the salt and the light. Um, they're not going to be on the screen, regretfully. But uh, here they are. Uh, depend on God for all your needs. Identify those who have been uh, disadvantaged uh, or down and uh, help them to try, try to help them, wow, truly depend on God to fulfill their needs. Begin to provide for their needs for those who are being uh, oppressed. Place your hands in the, in the put, put yourself in the hands of God. And as you do that, then help others put themselves in the hands of God. And if you have means to do so, help them in the ways that you can. Come alongside those who have suffered a loss in their life, be it a loss of a loved one through death, the loss of a spouse through divorce, the loss of a child through rebellion, or through a million of other kinds of loss. Come alongside that person in solidarity, solidarity, offering comfort in prayer. Become a truly faithful friend. In other words, flavor and preserve their life. Seek to offer forgiveness and reconciliation when you have been wronged. Resist the temptation to seek revenge. Repay violence and anger with acts of love. Seek to do God's will by restraining your desires for things that are not God's will. We'll talk about that uh, in a future week. Show compassion on people, especially people who you think deserve no compassion or mercy. Be a non-anxious presence amid conflict. Seek to actively work for the resolution of conflict and violence in your daily life. Uh, not all violence is physical, by the way. Seek to bring reconciliation to all of your strained relationship. Help others to find reconciliation as well. All of these things, I think, are contrary to how most of the folks around us try to live their lives. Um, they might flavor the world in a different way. And of course, this isn't the totality of the things that we could list. And some of these things will be easier for some of you than they will for others, because we're all at different spots. But I think, I think it has little steps, little steps of obedience, that some of these things might help us to truly live into who we are as those who have been called and blessed, help us to truly be the salt and the light of the world, flavoring and preserving God's good world and the people in it, reflecting the true light of God's love and grace and compassion uh, to all around us. And I'm convinced that as, uh, as we attempt to, to be the salt and the light, through the power of the Spirit, right? This whole thing is nothing uh, if we don't allow God to help us along the way. But I'm fully convinced that as, in the power of the Spirit, we attempt to truly be what God has called us to be, a salt and light. Uh, that in that process, we will find greater wholeness, greater healing reconciliation, recovery of hope for the world, for our own lives, for our children, for our church, for our country. I uh, will receive the Lord's Supper here in a second. Why don't we pray before we do that? Dear Lord, we confess that we do not often live into our calling and our blessedness as your followers.
Lord, we confess that we have often flavored the world. Um, maybe we're more, uh, more red chili flakes and Tabasco sauce and less salt. Or maybe we're just not flavorful at all. Uh, we confess these things to you. And we ask that by the power of your spirit, uh, through the mystery of your death and your resurrection, that you would help us to be what you have created us to be, salt and light of the world. Give us uh, eyes to see uh, the little things that we might do that might flavor and preserve uh, the people and places around us. Help us to make sure that when we reflect your light, we are reflecting it in the right places that we are using it to, to bring life to the dark places that surround us. We ask that as we receive this meal in a minute, that it might do what all meals do, give us the strength uh, to go out and to faithfully follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.